Before we get to the episode today, I want to thank our sponsor, Surf Prep Sanding. Whether you're looking for the highest quality of sanders, dust extractors, or abrasives, Surf Prep has what you need to take your project to the next level. I've been using Surf Prep for a couple of years now and know firsthand the quality of their products. The amazing family who stands behind their brand is by far the best in the industry. Use code MAKERLOUNGE, all one word, for 10% off your order at surfprepsanding.com. Huge thanks to Surf Prep for sponsoring today's episode. And also thank you to the patrons. We have a new top tier patron this week. We've got Brent Jarvis with Clean Cut Woodworking. Um, and that guy's he, he's an amazing guy. Got some, got some good stuff over there. So thank you to him and all of our other top tier patrons, Jimmy McAnally, Matthew with Archiano Sirio, Victor with Wim Design, Justin with Calvary Customs, LLC, and uh, lots of other patrons. So if you want to get in on the uh, patron action, catch the uh, live stream, catch the after show, um, and get the episodes early, head over to patreon.com slash maker lounge podcast. And, uh, that will get you awesome access and stickers because we know in the maker community, you're not a maker unless you get stickers. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to the lounge. I'm Matt with Waltner Woodworking and your host of the Maker Lounge podcast where we have a rotating group of makers hanging out and talking shop with each other. You may have seen them on a show called Assembly Required or in a variety of YouTube videos, building things from a van with an attached BMX ramp or a massive Banshee hamster wheel. The only thing his welder hasn't touched is a bad time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his motto is don't die. Uh, we'll have to find out about that. <laughs> and... He also couldn't decide what to make, so he called his business Make Everything. Chris Zepieri is in the lounge with Make Everything. Thanks for being here, Chris. Thank you for having me. That was that was the best intro I think anyone's ever given me. <laughs> well, that thank was, you. That was really good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time writing these uh, the intros and really try to encapsulate everything about you. Uh, did I get it all right? You got it. You got it all right. And you awesome. even pronounced my last name right, which... That's yeah. why I go by Chris Zepp because I don't even bother trying to uh, like try to yeah. spell it out. Yeah. Well, and I had typed it a couple different times, and I'm like, is it P P I E R R Y or R one R two P's? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so like, all right, let me look this thing up and mm -hmm. and nail this. Uh, so I, I may or may not have practiced in the mirror a couple times. Well, I appreciate the effort. Thank you. <laughs> so Zeppieri. That's right. Uh, how do you uh, say that in you know the native uh well if if i talk to someone that i like that's that's really italian and i say zeppieri they're like oh you've like americanized it so they say <laughs> zeppieri yeah. is how you would say it you know yeah um zeppieri is like calling it mozzarella you know mm. like you just can't do it it's you know mozzarella. It's yeah yeah that's right so What's funny is uh, we've I've got a, a patron I, I I think I nailed it this time uh, but his the way that his uh, name is spelled it's A R T I G I N O A R T I G I N O Artigno so I kept saying like R T uh, now I'm probably not gonna 
say it wrong or <laughs> I I don't know how I, I said it like Artigiano or something uh-huh. like that. But uh, one time I, I went live and I, and I had him join it and I was like, okay, so tell me how to say this thing. And I swear right. I, I tried like ten times and he's like, Archiano. I was Archiano. like, I was like, oh, okay, that I, like I would not have got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some are harder than others. Yeah, and people get Voltner wrong. I've been called mm-hmm. Voltron and other mm-hmm. things. <laughs> yep, I bet. <laughs> so Chris Zepp. That's right. Yeah, and you've you've done other podcasts, and they say Zepp. So I get bonus points for going just going for it. I appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, tell me about yourself. Like, when what do you do? And I mean, I, I mentioned some of it in the in the intro there, but like, what's your what's your uh, pitch? Like your hmm, my pitch. Um, well, I I've written I've had to write my bio a couple times and if anybody follows along they know that I'm I'm very good at getting brand deals so I'm good at uh giving the quick once over but I always say go. that I'm a I'm a fabricator and educator making content on YouTube and Instagram. Um so I own a shop in New York and Long Island. It's about 3000 square feet um where I originally started as kind of like a maker space and then has transitioned into now where I'm only doing my own work here. Um and I don't really have classes or students in person. And I'm basically, I'm doing client work, but mostly making content, uh, educational style content on YouTube. And then also on, you know, Instagram, Facebook and whatever comes next. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever new thing they dream up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, ha- I gotta say, I, yeah, I haven't, I have a TikTok, and I have like no luck when it comes to growing it. Yeah. And, um, I've talked to I I know a lot of people that are outside the maker world but are social media like fans, right? They're like, "Oh, you got to have a TikTok." Blah, blah. Right. And then, you know, like I I will show them my TikTok and I'm like, "Let me show you what happens on mine." So, and and I and I think it's a a clear to me, it was a very clear indicator of like the sort of uh manipulation that is within TikTok is mm. that my first couple videos went super viral, right? Like millions, couple, couple million views, couple hundred thousand views immediately got like five, 6,000 followers. Bang. Then all crickets, like hundred views, 60 views. Doesn't even metrics wise. Doesn't make sense. Like Mm -hmm. how do you have 5,000 followers getting, you know, 1% of, of views. Right. So then I just, I gave up. I post again, viral again. This is now months later, Mm. 2 million views. So it's like, I, I always say it's like a drug, right? So they, I gave up on it. And then right. I said, let me get another taste. Like, let me just try see what happens. And then they, they try to feed into your ego of like, oh my God, I'm going to go viral again. Yeah. So then a couple million views. And then every post since then, a hundred views, 200 views. And I have 8,000 followers or something. Yeah. It, it literally doesn't make sense if it's run the way that like, a, I guess the Instagram, Instagram algorithm or Facebook al- algorithm more runs. Um, it doesn't make sense that I, I can't grow it. And since then I've just, I don't care about it at all. Yeah. You know, it's just the thing I'm just waiting for it to get deleted. Honestly, I think it's, <laughs> it's days are numbered, um, yeah. as a, as a platform, honestly. Yeah. All the platforms are starting to to merge together. I heard somebody, uh, the other day say something about how Instagram, you know, they've got that, that new feature in the chats, uh, where you, you post a status update or something, you know, Yeah, yeah. originally people were saying, Oh, this is a new MySpace. I can't wait yep. to, to post my, you know, my top eight friends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I heard somebody say the other day that it's it's like the new Twitter. And I thought, oh, that's actually that's probably a better comparison because it's yeah. like uh, they want to start you to have conversations because that's why mm-hmm. they put it right in a chat. Yep. Is it, it starts that conversation. Have you capitalized on any of that yet? Haven't touched it. I haven't written anything. And I honestly, I've never clicked on anyone's thing that they've written because yeah. half the time I, I can only read the first like four words anyway. Right. So it's yeah. like, and, and everybody's writing dumb stuff right. to begin with, you know, yeah, like, like, like he farted or whatever, yeah. like with fingers and yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, so I just, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm, I have a pretty good, well, I have what has been a pretty successful kind of Instagram strategy where I just post the reel every single day yeah. around like 9 p.m. Eastern time. And that's what I've been doing for the last like two years. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not changing anything. I don't want to like, I don't even want to rock the boat at all. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I went through the same thing. You know, my, my channel was uh, under 10,000 um, for, you know, a long time. And I was actually surprised it had gotten to that point at that, at that time. Uh, then I had a couple things take off and then somebody said, ride the wave, just, mm-hmm. you, you got to post every day now. And mm-hmm. so it's like you say, uh, it, it's like a drug and you, mm-hmm. you got to keep feeding the, <laughs> feeding the animal, feeding the beast. Yep. yep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's so funny because like I, and, and I think a lot of people that follow closely with me, like, no, I always try to give out a lot of information about like being successful in the sort of creator world. Yeah. Um, so like I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, I can't grow my Instagram. I'm like, okay. And I pull up their, Inst- if I'm with them, I'll pull it up right in front of them. And I go, dude, you posted like three times in the last four months. Yeah. It's like, why, why can't I grow? <laughs> yeah. Why can't I grow? It's like, and I go look at mine and it's like, I've posted every single day Yeah. for the last, I, I, I mean, I know I missed, I missed some days every now and then, like I missed some days around Christmas, but like, other than that, in the last year, I, I have to imagine I've posted 320 things i probably missed 30 days of the of the whole year right Um, and because of that i grew my instagram following by like thirty thousand or forty thousand followers this year that's great from like 20 something to i just i just hit seventy thousand yesterday nice and just today alone i think i gained another uh i gained another 1200 today wow So so are you noticing when you when you talk about your instagram strategy are you noticing that it is a certain type of uh, thing that's doing well for you. It won't work for everybody, but mm. are, or are you just post just posting? Um, I, I, at this point I, well, as soon as you say, you know, what's yeah, going to work, it changes, it stops working yeah. <laughs> or it changes, but like I can, I can cite like a specific thing. Like, so, uh, on my Instagram, there's a, a, a tripod shot. It's, it's pointing straight down at my metal bender, my Hosfeld metal bender. Mm-hmm. And I bend an eye hook. And I did it once before. This is some behind the scenes. I did it once before and it came out perfect. And then I said, you know what? Let me do it again, but put my sticker on the bender because oh. I think this one's going to like really take off. Yeah. And I, I want to say it did, I don't know, a million two on Instagram or something wow. like that. And then it did another like couple hundred thousand on YouTube as a short. Nice. And then it did a million something on Facebook. So like, and I, and when I filmed it, I had the feeling like, okay, this, this is like the type of like ASMR, very simple. And there's no, and this is the thing that people ask me all the time. It's like, oh, are you using trending audio? There's, it's my audio in that. It's me saying, here's what I'm doing. There's no captions. It's just straight up like, you know, the purest kind of how to in 
59 seconds. Right. And um, I, I had a feeling that one was going to go. And I found recently when I'm doing my thumbnails, if it has to do with welding or plasma cutting or anything with sparks, if the thumbnail has that very catchy, like super high contrast image, that will usually get some traction. Like uh, nice. I had something recently do like 350 and it was like a plasma cutting uh, video and uh, same thing on YouTube, but the YouTube shorts, I think they took away the ability to change the thumbnail on the yeah. shorts recently. Cause you used to be able to change it. Right. Um, and now like, that's kind of annoying because like, if the thumbnail sucks, like that's like half the freaking battle. So yeah, take they always that get away. you with your, like blinking your eyes or something like that, <laughs> or you look asleep. Or yeah, fl- yeah. Or it's like so, like the most boring part of like whatever I posted. You know, it's like. Yeah. But I, whatever. Um, you know, shorts are a new thing. Is we all got to learn as yeah. we go. Yeah, that it, that's so. Speaking of uh, YouTube, um, are you posting the same type of um content? I mean, I I know the answer, but for the listener. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your, what's your posting on YouTube? Are you splicing that up for your Instagram content or is it kind of a mix? Like what's your strategy on that? Yeah. I mean, it's so I, I, for those that don't follow me on YouTube, uh, you should go and subscribe. Uh, but, um, uh, tell us your, your handles real quick. So if you go on YouTube and type in make everything, you'll see me there. And then on Instagram, I'm at make everything shop and the same thing on Facebook at make everything shop. Um, so, um, I try to post every week on YouTube on Saturday or Sunday. I try to put up a new like full length, you know, basically usually more 10 minutes or longer mm-hmm. project video or like a tool video. Um, and I found good traction in the tool videos, but uh, normally my Instagram content, it depends on my week. So if I have a week where I'm here working a lot, you're going to get like segments of the project shot on my phone. Just like, Hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm up to. Um, and then it, but if it's a slow week or a busy week at my day job, cause I have a regular job as well on my Instagram, I'm, I'm posting either clips from the YouTube video filmed on my main camera that I'm cutting down in premiere and, you know, just popping into a one minute form or clips that I filmed on my phone days in advance that I knew would just be like something that would be compelling or interesting. Um, and you know, sometimes I get a little lazy and I'll just post like something kind of you know, very minor with like some Instagram music and other times it's like a, a, an edited composed thing that I spent time working on, you know, for that one minute clip. How many, uh, YouTube uh, subscribers do you have now? Uh, like 245,000, 243,000, something like that. Has it been a pretty, uh, gradual trend or is there something that has really helped your account take off? Um, it's been pretty gradual. I mean, I, you know, the, uh, people always say like the, the first thousand are the hardest, right. And, the like, uh, or, but Casey Neistat said like getting 10 million was hard. Getting a million was harder. Getting a hundred thousand was harder. Getting a thousand was the hardest. Yeah. Right. So I've found, um, I, I think I've, I think I've sort of probably hurt my own growth by being so broad in the topics that I do on Instagram, on YouTube. Like the videos I do are like, one of them is about van life. One of them is about blacksmithing. One of them is about, you know, special, very specialty metalworking tools. Next one's like a DIY woodworking thing. So I think that, um, it's gained me little, little grabs of audience from all around, but not like a lot of any particular, uh, audience. And, 
the between 2021 and 2022, I gained about I gained basically exactly uh, uh, 50,000 subscri- uh, subscribers. Mm-hmm. And then between 2022 and 2023, I gained about 42,000. So okay. I had a little bit less growth this year than I had sort of wanted, you know, because like, listen, if I could gain 50,000 subscribers a year. Right. Uh, I'd be pretty happy for yeah. the next, you know, couple of years. So, uh, but you know, I, I, I got into it early enough and I feel like I struggled enough at the beginning to just not even care about the numbers at all. Like I, I really like once I hit a hundred thousand and it sounds like it, it sounds a little like, Oh, well, you know, you should, you should be so lucky to get a hundred thousand. But once I hit a hundred thousand, I just completely stopped caring about how many subscribers I had because it, I felt like, okay, like I, I, I'm, I've arrived, like yeah. I'm here now I'm established. Uh, you know, the people that know me, know me and I have leverage for brands. I feel like this is working. And from here on out, it's just, unless they all go away, right. it can only get better. Yeah. So, yeah, agree. Uh, when you posted your first video, did you have any clue where you'd be today? Um, I mean, I had a goal in my mind, okay. but I think that's just because I had the right people around me to like tell me that it was going to work. You know, like Jimmy Duresta is like a very close friend of mine. Yeah. And he encouraged me to start my channel. And then when I did, he was like, dude, like you, you got it. Like this is, he, 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 I made, uh, a knife for him, uh, a little belt knife. And I made a video and he texted me and was like, dude, like this is, you, you got this, like you did a great job. And, um, I, that gave me obviously a lot of confidence. And also I, and I've said this before, it's not a secret, but he helped me when my channel first started by talking about me in one of his vlogs, which Mm -hmm. my channel just like, I I like couldn't sleep that night. It's like, (laughs) like eight o'clock, his vlog came out and my, phone's just blowing up and you know i don't know if it still does this but um when i first started my channel you'd get a notification every time you got a subscriber oh yeah so my phone was like and i and i remember like <laughs> i remember like sitting in bed and like saying to my girlfriend at the time like holy shit like it worked like yeah. jimmy plugged me in a video and like this is it and obviously that doesn't go on forever yeah but i mean come on i I, I i got very lucky uh and i thank him for that yeah. Do you, uh, do you get together with, uh, Jimmy and, and those, all those guys up there uh, often? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I own a property, um, like two miles from Jimmy's house okay. that I have a camper on. And, um, you know, like I, there's a group chat that like me and Derek and Paul Pinto are in, uh, and Jimmy and we talk every day. Oh, cool. So like we, we communicate, you know, multiple times a week. And then, you know, if, uh, if ever Jimmy's down here or if I'm going up there for any reason or if I, you know, whatever, I'll give him a call or text him. We we'll talk about, you know, uh, Jimmy's one of the people that taught me about brand deals Mm. and kind of gave me a lot of the, um, you know, the, the insight that like some people don't want to say about like how much you can charge, how much you did for this. Right. So like every now and then I'll work with a brand that he's worked with. And like, before I even talk to them, I call him and I'm like, yo, what'd you, you know, what'd you get out of this? And obviously like he has a lot more, he has 10 times as many subscribers as I do. Yeah. And, uh, just like a legacy name. So I don't go for the same deal that, that he does, but, uh, I definitely use his information to help gauge what I could do. And then I try to give that information out just the same way he gave it to me. Like if somebody DM'd me right now and said, Hey, I have 5,000 subscribers and you know, so-and-so wants to sponsor me. How much should I charge? I'll tell him exactly how much, 
I charge and yeah. tell them, you know, don't do it for less than this. Right. Um, and, uh, so, and I've always been like that. I, I think that, um, I think that transparency in the marketplace, uh, like lifts all boats, you know, like right. it, everybody gets to do better if, you know, if, if every YouTuber is charging $10 and somebody offers you two and you take it, you're just the only chump that said yes. Yeah. You know, um, I had Rachel, um, and Adam and they're with the uh, maker challenge, makers challenge central. I had okay. them on and during one of the after shows, the Patreon after shows, uh, we talked about that because they represent brands mm. and they call it the wild, wild west mm -hmm. because somebody will approach them and say, you know, oh, I want X amount. You know, let's say I want a thousand dollars and somebody mm -hmm. else will approach them and say, I want ten thousand yeah. dollars and the, the follower accounts don't match that. But because nobody talks about it, nobody mm -hmm. knows what a going rate is. Yep. Um, you know, and, and so there are people out there that are undercutting other people by saying, mm -hmm. oh, I'll, I'll do it for free. Just send me a tool. Yep. And um, a brand is going to take that deal all day long. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, and, and when people are first getting started, they've got four or 500 followers there and they get something like that. They're like, yeah, I'll take the tool. And I think you should. Of course. Um, yeah. And I take I take tools for free all the time. Yeah. You know, like I, I tell brands up front, like, hey, I don't want any money. Yeah. You know, like I want this $2,000 tool because I need it and I just don't feel like spending the money. Right. Um, but it's funny and I don't, and this is a, a shameless plug of my talk at WorkbenchCon that's coming up. Yeah. But my, I'm doing a talk at WorkbenchCon. It's called Breaking the Brand Barrier. And it's about working with companies that don't know how to work with influencers. Wow. And how to get that like weird bespoke thing that you know your followers will latch onto. Yeah. But also how to monetize that from a company that doesn't know how to monetize for you. Like, you know, right. these companies don't have affiliate links. They don't know how to commission you. Like, yeah. so there are strategies and stuff that you can employ to make sure that you get what's the value aside from just the tool. Right. Because if that video or post, whatever goes viral and you sell 500 of a thousand dollar tool for the thousand dollar tool, listen, at the end of the day, you got what you wanted. So you can't be that mad, but mm -hmm. there's a way, and there are many tricks and ways to make sure that you get something, yeah. uh, in exchange. So, uh, yeah, I, it is the wild west and people just make, you just make it up, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I've had brands, um, I've had brands. So I have annual deals with a couple of brands, okay. um, which has been really good for me because it's established long-term relationships that, I've had for years now and uh, I get paid monthly or annually, however. And um, I've had, I had a brand, I, I can't say who it is, but I had a brand, my rep at the brand called me up and said, you know, hey, we haven't gotten an invoice from you in a while. Hmm. And, but I know you've been making content. And at the time I was getting paid per video, okay. you know, X amount of dollars. And I'm just a bad invoicer. I'm I'm yeah. just not good at doing it. Like I, I I build them all up and I send them out, you know, like on one day uh, at a time. And they didn't care. It wasn't about them saying, "Hey, we got to balance our books. Like you got to hit us for this money." Mm -hmm. It was just, "Hey, like you know, like you know, you're supposed to bill us, right?" And she was just looking out for me. I totally appreciated it. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get to it." And she said, "You know, maybe next year you want to do like a monthly thing, or yeah. like an annual thing." And I was like, "I mean, I would love to do that. Would you guys be interested in that?" And she said, yeah, like, why don't you write up a proposal and in our next call, we'll talk about it. And in the next call was with her boss 
And the way she approached it was totally like separate of the conversation that her and I had, Yeah, which was her looking out for me. And she was like, hey, uh, Chris, didn't you say you had a proposal for something? You had mentioned it to me and in my head. I'm like, oh, well, like it meant a lot to me because, you know, obviously we're all navigating this I, for the first time. Right. Like 99 percent right. of us are navigating this for the first time. And and now that totally changed my I mean, it completely changed the the monetary value of that brand deal. Right. Um, and had I not I didn't have the confidence to ask for that. Yeah. But now that I, I I do have that, it just that one little like tweak in my my mind yeah. changed the way that I'm dealing with like all the brands that I work with. That's great. Where I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't want to I don't want to do two videos for a thousand dollars a video. Like I don't. Right. You know, and I don't want to have to be a shill for like your company for January and February, and then work for your competitor for the rest of the year because I need to make a living. Yeah. You know, like if you want to do a, a proprietary brand deal for the year, we got to do it for the year. Right. And I won't do it for less than $10,000 for the year. Mm -hmm. And and this is not, I'm not saying a hyper, hypothetical number. I'm, I'm just, now I'm, I'm speaking act, in actual yeah. digits. Like if a brand wants to work with me and they want a non-compete of any kind, then it has to be a $10,000 minimum brand deal. I don't care how long it lasts. Mm -hmm. For them, they should try to stretch it out as long as they can. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But why would I work for you know, uh, this company for two or three months and then flip the switch on my followers and work for their competitor. Right. Um, and then I'll never work with the first company again. Yeah. Cause they'll never want to work with me again. They'll just, right. That's, that's that you burned a bridge uh, and it's not even that I burned a bridge. I just, you know, I had to eat. So I, I took the next, yeah. took the next meal, but, um, you know, these, some of these people don't forget and they, and they keep that in mind. So I, I leveraged a brand for 2023 in that exact way. Cause I was talking with a competitor and I told them straight up. I said, listen, I, I, I like working with you guys. We have a good thing going. Mm -hmm. I've, I figured out how to make your content in the way you like. And you know, they offered me, they offered me three videos for a thousand or three videos for $2,000 a video. They wanted one in January. No, I'm sorry. Their fiscal year uh, started in September. Mm. So it was a September to September deal. They wanted a video in December, a video in February and a video in July. Mm. So I'm like, okay, so for six grand for the whole year, right. I can't, You're and they up. have, they have a lot of competitors because oh. they are a pretty vast brand with a lot of products. Yeah. So like, you know, I was like, come on, you know, like, listen, the six grand is great. I would, I would love to have $6,000, but we either have to do this for the year and it needs to be cohesive throughout the year. And it, you also have to sweeten the pot a little bit. Like right. I, I want to get, I want to get 10 and um, you know, uh, and, and they agreed, you know, I tried to push a little bit harder and <laughs> said, well, listen, you know, I'm growing my Facebook really hard and yeah. growing my Instagram. They said, listen, you're, we're at the absolute max that we can pay you. I said, that's totally fine. And come, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking a year ahead already. Like I don't, I, I look very, very far out. So I already know like how the conversation is going to go in September and I know what I'm going to ask for. And I think I'll get it, yeah. you know, come next year. I just got to ask sooner right. before the budget's like locked in. Well, I'm looking forward to, to your class, uh, workman's con. Uh, Thank you. Well, I'll, I'll be signing up for that for sure. And, uh, some of the patrons that are, um, in the chat right now, I know that they're going to be there. So, um, awesome. so yeah, that'll be, that'll be great. And I, 
expect that they'll be there. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, so I haven't like, um, I don't know if the program, the full program has come out for workbench con yet. I think um, it's still in flux. I was talking to another mm-hmm. presenter today and he's like, yeah, I, I th- some, some stuff is changing cause this time slot was moving and stuff like that. Mm, um, yeah. but yeah, no doubt it's going to be action packed. And I think this year is going to be probably the biggest year. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. just the, the way that the buzz has happened. Tiff has done mm-hmm. a fantastic job, uh, yeah. you know, just trying to get it out there. Uh, so it's, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm going to be posting something about my talk on my Instagram. Cause like, aside from like the little still image that, uh, you know, workbench con posted to say like, you know, speaker or whatever. Um, and, but it, there's no information. Like no one knows right. what my class, this is the first time I've actually mentioned publicly what my class is about is just now on this podcast. So, yeah. um, but I, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to cite, like, I'm going to walk around my shop and be like, do you want to get something like this? Do you want something awesome. like this? Do you want something yeah. like that? Like, you know, in the last year I've probably put, I don't know, $20,000 worth of equipment in my shop. Okay. So let's talk about the shop because I <laughs> I've been to your shop. Yes, I, I've, you have. I've seen your silver play button hanging on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> which right. it's amazing that I was able to spot it in, in the stuff that you've got in that shop. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to let this go. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a mess. How, it's a mess. How do you get any, any new deals, new, new, new tools to put in there? <laughs> I am very creative. My friend, let me tell you, I have a, I have a 24 by 48 laser coming on Monday. Oh my and gosh. if you walked around my shop right now, you'd be like, is it going in your basement at your house? Yeah. Like there's not a chance. Is it home tech? Um, but it is not. Okay. It is full spectrum. Okay. I'm getting a full spectrum. Uh, I'm getting a, a Muse Titan okay. on uh, on uh, Monday. The The freight company wanted to deliver it today. And I said, could you please, please hold it until Monday? Right. Because I really am just not ready to receive it. And they were like, oh, no, it's it's, it's fine. Like, you know, the driver will love to have one less thing on a Friday. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I bet. Um. So, so uh, you know, Matt, as being having been to my shop, you know, like the chaos. Yeah. Um, well, you've got it in, in three different like sections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have, uh, my, my shop is essentially three shops. Um, I have a wood shop, which is like basically, um, one bay of the building and then the metal shop, which is the center bay of the building. And then the machine shop slash like kind of project space, which is the the final bay. And when I opened, I was only in the in the metal shop and the wood shop. That was the first two spaces that I rented. They were the only spaces available. And then um, about a year after I opened, the third space became available. And within about five minutes of it becoming available, I already had it. And then the funny story, uh, and I've I've told this before, is so uh, I the the tenant that was in there called me and she said, "Hey, Chris, I know you're interested in my space. I'm moving out. If you want it." uh, call the landlord. And I think it's yours. I, I said a hundred percent. And, uh, I called the landlord. I said, I want it. What's it going to cost me? It was almost as much as my rent currently was. So it doubled oh, wow. my rent, uh, which my business was not ready for at that time. I could barely afford the rent to pay for the two spaces, right. but I, I just knew that I couldn't pass it by. And then the next day when I was cleaning out that space, some guy comes walking down my driveway and, and I go, can I help you? He goes, Oh yeah, I heard, I heard, uh, um, you know, the woman is moving out and I, he goes, uh, I really want to rent her space. I said, sorry, it's not available. He goes, how? He goes, I just heard she moved out. I said, yeah. And I just moved in like, uh, that's <laughs> like, adios, dude, get yeah. out of here. And, and that's how fast I would have lost it had I not right. jumped on it. Um, 
and it, it caused a lot of caused a lot of pain in my life mm-hmm. to double my rent at a time where my business wasn't ready. And I, you know, I've talked about this before, but you know, I subsidized this business through my carpenter salary Mm -hmm. for years, um, you know, posting stuff for sale on the 29th so I could sell it by the first and, and make rent. Right. And, um, it was really, really hard. And now, uh, now it's filled with incredible equipment. Uh, <laughs> That's and I an understatement it. of the year. <laughs> yeah. I, I pack. So my whole thing is like, somebody once told me, they were like, you're a hoarder. I was at your shop. I said, I'm not a hoarder. I said, if you're going to describe me as something, you could describe me as like a prepper. And I use that term loosely, yeah. like not like doomsday prepper, but I'm a prepper in the sense that like anything that comes my way, I already am tooled up to do it. Yeah. And all I need is like the slightest scent of a job coming my way and I'll, I'll be ready for it. Like I'll, I'll tool up and I'll spend the, spend the money and invest. And it has paid dividends to be that impulsive and have that confidence in like the thousand dollars now is worth 10,000 later. Just do it. Yeah. You know? So you're in Long Island. And, uh, so when somebody says, I know a guy, you're the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> I am the guy. Listen, I, I hate being the guy and not as much as my wife hates me being the guy yeah. because it, anytime somebody's like, Hey, is Chris really busy right now? She's like, son of a- like, <laughs> what do you need from him? Yeah. You know, yeah. but you know, I, I, I love that. I, I love helping people. And I, yeah. I, to my own disadvantage, most of the time I'm like constantly like, Oh, you know, like, I could just squeeze this in, you know, right. it's always the jobs that don't pay that like mess my week up the most, Yeah, you know? Um, but it's fine. So like you've done videos with your, your buddy who does the, the BMXing, I forget his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony a- Panza. Yeah. So when you do those types of videos, I, I realize that in your, in your YouTube content, it's like, Oh, he showed up and he, you know, he wanted to do this thing. Are you doing, mm-hmm. are you planning these things out or is it, sometimes it's like a day in advance. Wow. Like really sometimes it's like he like, so the rail over the car. So if anybody has watched my channel, like my friend, Anthony Panza, he's like a very, very, very talented professional BMX rider and almost like a, has like a vlog style YouTube channel where it's, he has a filmer that comes out with him every day and they get in these like crazy hijinks and he's Mm -hmm. riding BMX bikes and dirt bikes and quads. And uh, he has about 850,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's very successful Mm. uh, YouTube channel and he just is he comes up with these kooky ideas and so the rail over the car was there was like a a bmx contest in new york city and he got asked to kind of provide an obstacle and so he calls me up he's like yo i want to do something with the the honda for the thing for the the contest and i'm like he's like oh i want to do like he wanted to make like a ramp that looked like a volcano and like light it on fire (laughs) in the middle and then he's like, I don't know about that. I said, listen, whatever you want, like, we'll do it. Yeah. You know, like after we built the the ramp on the van, um, I'm like anything that he could come up with, like pff, easy compared to that. Yeah. So he showed up with the Honda and I ordered the tube like the day before. Yeah. And he came there and, and that was a one day build. We finished that in, in an eight hour day. Did he get the Honda he- specifically for that? Or No. So he bought the Honda as a joke for one of his friends. <laughs> And he called it the Henny Honda, and he had Hennessy logos all over it because yeah. his friend's into Hennessy. But his friend didn't even have a driver's license. <laughs> so it sat in his friend's driveway for like two years. Yeah. And then eventually he – and this is like just a testament to how good of a guy Panza is. Panza is one of the most generous people that I've ever met. And, and to be that 
like I know how I was. He's like 23 years old. I know how I was at 23. Oh yeah. Like I, I wouldn't say that I was like totally selfish, but I definitely wasn't as generous as he was. No. I mean, the kid just gives it away. And so just as a testament to that, he gave his friend this Honda legit, mm-hmm. not like, Oh, here's, here's a car gave it to him. And when he wanted it back, he bought it from his friend. Oh, wow. He, he actually gave his friend like whatever it was, a thousand dollars, whatever he paid for it. Yeah. He was like, here, here's the money. I'm taking the car back. And then he, he cut it into a convertible <laughs> yeah. so that he could put a Banshee uh, quad in the back. And then it was just sitting, you know, getting rained on. And now it's actually going down. There's a crazy BMX contest in February or March in Florida called Swamp Fest. Oh, wow. Which is like the cra- – it's, it's at like a mud pit. And they – at the end of the contest, they burn all the ramps and a huge bonfire. So the car is actually getting brought down to Swamp Fest where it will 100% never be seen again. <laughs> It'll, it won't make it out of that. Yeah. Um, so, no, he didn't buy it for – that was a long answer. He doesn't, didn't buy it for that, but uh, he bought it to do something with. Right. You know, well, we know the um, welds will hold up. So you, maybe you can uh, unstrap that thing and, and make it on something else. <laughs> I know. I, was, I joked with him. I said, dude, honestly, like I made that car like exponentially safer by putting essentially like a roll cage across the center right. of it because it had no roof. Yeah. And when he was driving on the highway, I'm like, dude, what's going to stop that windshield from just like folding over <laughs> on you? Like you don't realize the wind, like the downward force yeah. of like driving on the highway in a in a not real convertible. Yeah. Like, are you out of your mind? Well, and then not only that, but in the video, I think it was like the, I think you had spliced it over at the end, right? Uh-huh. But he, yeah, he yeah. falls he falls through the window, the the, uh-huh. the windshield, and it cracks. And then like your outro, it's like it looks perfect. So I know that you, obviously, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you didn't have a window repair on site there. <laughs> no, Creative no, editing that that window didn't last very long at all. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think we expected it to, yeah. but uh, it was it was uh it was a really fun project, and it's so funny because. I love those projects so much, and my audience does not care at all about them. They get terrible views really? on YouTube. They do so bad on YouTube, and I don't even care. I keep doing them, yeah. and I don't care at all. I, I I do it honestly because it's like it's it's an amazing project that I had so much fun on. Yeah. And I don't if a thousand people watch it, and you know, like this is the thing. And my my wife always like builds me up when I get like pissed off that my video didn't get any views. Yeah. She's like, but read the comments. Like every comment is so supportive. That's great. And they're like, I love this. Like do more of this. And I'm like, all right, well go tell like 20,000 of your friends right. to, to, to watch it, please. Yeah. Cause like doing something that took me, you know, whatever it is a day, a week, and then like days to edit yeah. and then put it on my channel. Like it is deflating, you know, as much as I try not to look at the numbers, it can't help but be deflating. Oh, for sure when something just just doesn't get views right you know so but it's fine i'll just keep going and one you know what i I foresee that one day those videos will find an audience and they'll all be lifted yeah sure you know and i and then i'll be like okay like you know and and i've had that in the past i've had videos that on on release tank and then a year later they're number one on my my thing it's the equivalent of you spending a thousand dollars now to make ten thousand later with that tool that's that's a very good uh that's a very good uh uh comparison yeah so was that the one thing that inspired the the banshee uh project so the banshee came first oh it did the banshee actually came first yeah and uh the banshee project i actually came up with the i well sort of came up with the idea because he's really into these uh the same guy anthony panzer he's not here you can claim uh, it that's fine yeah, yeah. Well, he's really into these Banshee uh, quads, right? The Yamaha Banshees. 
And um, he's built a whole business around restoring them. And then uh, he actually raffles them on Instagram. It's oh, cool. become extremely successful. Um, so I'm like, dude, why don't we put one of those like stunt rollers on it? You know, like the, like you've seen it, like County fair will have like the dirt bike guy with like the cage over top yeah. and he slams on the front brakes and rolls. I'm like, dude, let's do it on a Banshee. And, and he was actually doubting it. He's like, I don't think it's going to work. And then I found a video of a guy who did it on like a really small quad. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, if, if, if these guys could do it, like I saw what they were working out. I'm like, if these guys can figure it out, bro, like I got yeah. this. So I, I said, he's like, I don't know. I said, listen, take, have your, your, uh, photographer, like video guy. His name is Austin. I said, have Austin take a picture of you sitting on the Banshee, like dead level, uh, sit, just sit on the Banshee dead level and then stand up next to the Banshee. So I have your height, uh, for scale. Mm -hmm. And you know, like real quick, I mocked up the, the image of the Banshee with the cage. Yeah in SketchUp and I'm like, boom. And he's like, holy shit. He's like, when can we do <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> and then like, you know, four days later, the Banshee's in my shop and I'm rolling the tube outside. And you know, next thing we know, uh, uh, we tested it in the driveway by pushing him over in yeah. it. And then it took a bunch of tries to finally get it right. And then once we did, he realized like, oh, if I put like softer suspension on the front and like street tires on the front and, you know, do a couple of tweaks to the bike, the thing was like, then it was like perfect yeah. and it worked so good. Your, your guys' um, reaction was super genuine when, yeah. when it rolled the first time you're like, Oh dude, this is going to work. Like this is going to work. work. Yeah. 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 That was an and, exciting and video like, to watch. Thank you. Yeah. And I had like, that's a project. I had so much fun doing that project. And it's funny because somebody looking from the outside would be like, Oh my God. Like when you do a video like that and it doesn't get views, like what do your sponsors think? Mm. My sponsors, both of both of my sponsors that I would call like the main two sponsors of my shop being Lincoln Electric and Ferret Abrasives, both of them said, I can't believe you get to do this as a job. Right. We love the video. Like they loved it. And I don't think they cared right. how many views it got because the people that watched it were 100%, I can say this confidently, were 100% entertained and inspired yeah. by like a couple of friends just like guessing their way through something that turned out to be like as good as it could be, you know? Well, I would say that the, that is the epitome of the maker community in, in its most like unique and, and basically you showed the honesty of what we're all mm -hmm. doing in the shop every day. It's so funny because I always assumed. So for me, growing my Instagram was difficult. I, I always had a really hard time growing my Instagram. I like couldn't figure out how, like, at the beginning, like, how are these people getting 10,000 followers? How are they doing this? Like, I just want the damn swipe up already. Like I'm, I'm posting every day. I don't get it. And, but YouTube, I was like going, you know? Right. Um, and I was like, wow, like, it's amazing to me that I can grow my YouTube, but I can't grow my damn Instagram. Yeah. And then I thought, well, okay. Every, every video I plug my Instagram at the end of it, I go like, thank you so much for watching. Well, follow me right here on Instagram. Like the same yeah. thing. So I always figured as my Instagram was growing, it was as a result of the YouTube videos getting watched and then someone going, oh, like I like what this guy does. Let me subscribe, follow his Instagram. Yeah. But what I've found is that the videos that do terrible on YouTube do so well on Instagram. Wow. Like the, the, the tandem bike posts did hundreds of thousands of views on Instagram. Mm. And on if I could get... If I could get 10% of those on the YouTube video, I would be thrilled yeah. at this point. You so know? what I hear you it's saying is, is that the people who are struggling to grow on Instagram should post that content on YouTube. 
<laughs> so you know what? It's funny though because I now I'm I'm experimenting a lot with what's going to do well where, right? So like I'll now we we have shorts. So now you can literally test. True. You can like ABC test. So I, what I do is I post the same essentially the same content on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And it's really interesting to watch what does, you know, 4,000 views on YouTube and like 100,000 on Instagram or 100,000 on YouTube or a million on YouTube and, you know, 20,000 on Instagram. And it's, I, 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 like, I wish I knew why, because it would just, it would make me feel so much better. But at the same time, I I don't care that much. I just want to keep doing it. Do you look at the demographics at all? Are they consistent? Uh, yeah, they're very consistent. I mean, I'm like 90. Well, the reason my CPM is so high uh, is because like 90 or 85% of my viewers are in the US, mm. um, which is great yeah. because I have a lot of friends that um, like one of my friends had a, a super viral video, like six or seven million views on YouTube, but like four million of those views came from India. Oh, yeah. And he made like $86 on those views. Like had those views been in the US, he would have made like five or seven thousand dollars. Uh so I, I'm I'm lucky in that my you know I guess I'm lucky and unlucky that my viewers are are generally U.S. or Canada based mm-hmm. English speaking. Um, but my my channel doesn't really change in demographics. One of my sponsors that I work with asks for demographics. I don't look at them generally, but I do send them to to those people. And when I do, I, I look at them and I'm like, oh my god, I'm it's like 97.8 percent men, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I do have a couple videos about like leather and sewing stuff. My my most popular video is this stupid hundred dollar sewing machine video, <laughs> and uh, the demographics on that are a lot a lot uh, uh, more even between men and women. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head, but um, you know. but imagine for a company for a sponsor, there if your U.S. demographics are fairly low, and they don't want to sell internationally, then that that mm-hmm. could potentially hurt any brand deals. So are they look or they're oh, looking yeah, at men or just, women. I mean. Well, I know that I have friends, uh, and and I, I'm I'm always down to expose my dirty secrets, but I I, I don't uh, I don't share my friends' dirty Save secrets. Save some but I have stuff a friend, for the after show. <laughs> yeah, but but I have a friend who very specifically has been able to leverage the the crap out of brands because her demographic is mostly women, mm. um, and she's a maker in the you know woodworking arena, and she's been able to like crush it with brands like the same brand that offers me five grand will give her thirty. Yeah. Because she can hit, you know, like if you're trying to if you're trying to market like woodworking tools to women or anything mm-hmm. to women specifically, um, you can do it through her. Like you're not going to do it through my content, you know. And, and I'm not, I, you know, I, I doesn't really matter to me. I, I I don't I don't really like I don't specifically try to target men or women. Yeah. You know, like I I don't I don't think my content really is specific towards any gender, but. Um, but I was amazed when she told me about that. And uh, I think the U.S. thing, though, plays a lot to English red ads. Mm. And I would say that, like, you know, if, you know, if I'm reading, if I'm doing a 90-second spot for you in English without a translation that I'm offering, right. like, if my viewers aren't mostly in the U.S., like, that's kind of missing. Yeah. You know, like, if my viewers are mostly in South America and my ad spot's in English, like, what's the chance that someone's going to, like, go click on, like, the NordVPN, like like link in the description yeah. if like like maybe because they heard the name and they're like oh that sounds interesting but so uh i i think it i think being having centralized demographics it probably helps but right. uh i don't know again going back to your class it's going to be good hearing hearing your perspective and and then getting like-minded people around uh it might change the dynamic of the wild wild west 
you know, working mm-hmm. with brands. It'll open up the discussion, I think, on both sides. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, like, I mean, there's so much opportunity to, like, create revenue for yourself yeah. um, doing this kind of content. Like, no matter the size of your of your channel, um, and I have so many examples of friends with, you know, big or small channels that, like, are, you know, making the most of it. And, um, you know, just like the other day, a, a friend of mine, was, you know, he was asking me, like, what I'm wearing for boots right now. He's like, oh, what kind of boots do you yeah. have? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm about to change my boot, like, kind of sponsor uh, in the next month. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, here's who I'm going to be working with. I don't think you can get a deal. I know he can't get a deal with them because it was very hard for me to yeah. – to, to even like feel like I had the chops to get it. But I said, you should reach out to this company, a company that I know is very active in the space mm-hmm. and is definitely hungry to get in people's feeds, regardless of their size. Right. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, dude, what, what's going to hurt you? Just send them a DM. Yeah. I said, send him a DM. I said, this is exactly what you're going to say. You know, you're, you're this person. You're, you know, he's like a young kid. He's a knife maker. He's very talented. He goes to craft shows. He hangs out with me. I said, put me in it if mm-hmm. you want. I said, tell him you do projects with me because he does every now and then. He's in one of my videos. Yeah. I said, you know, like, I don't care. You know, you, you, Jimmy's always said that. He's like, you say, say whatever you want. Right. You know, like, use me however you need yeah. to. And uh, the next day he texts me. He goes, oh, I can't wait to get my, like, so-and-so boots. And I'm like, good for you. Yeah. Man. You know, and this is like not an, he's not a, He's got a YouTube channel. He maybe has like a hundred subscribers. He's got a Instagram. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't guess maybe 2000 followers. And now he's getting a, a new pair of That's shoes. Great. And for him, it's like, this is like a big deal. You know, um, he's a college kid. He doesn't have a lot of money to spend and he needs a new pair of shoes and he will promote for the brand. It is like a, it is a dream setup because even if he has 2000 followers, he is going to promote the crap out of these shoes you know if he sells 10 pairs that would actually be like a low percentage of conversion from his follower count and that would be a massive come up for the brand to sell 10 things at full retail versus give one away at cost. yeah my my first uh deal was with tools today uh when i had less than a thousand followers um so i mean it can happen to anybody and i think if you post Mm -hmm. uh genuine content if you're um, you know, and you can also tell people, uh, who, who's going to do something with it. You know, mm-hmm. they're the people who just yeah. post, post a picture here and there. Uh, they're not yep. consistent. Um, mm-hmm. but then that you can also tell if somebody's got like a, a little bit of gleam in their eye, which I think Jimmy probably saw on you. Jimmy's going to be on the podcast next week. So I'm, Oh man. Yeah, so I'll name drop you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'm, I'm, you can have one. I'm going to tell him that you made him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The, the the joke is always that uh, that I'm his son. Oh yeah. So and then like the other day, so I wear glasses for distance, and I put them on. My wife's like, "God damn, you look just like Jimmy." Uh, I'm like, <laughs> "I said, well, you know." Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Well, when I was in, and this is going to come off, and I might have to edit this part out, <laughs> but when I was in uh, New York, I was like. I told the guy I was with, I was like, all the women t- seem to like have the same, like, I don't know. There's just a, there's a thing, right? Am I wrong? Like, and, <laughs> and I was like, they, they just, they, they assimilate so much together. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like, if, if you met one Jersey girl, you met another Jersey girl. Mm-hmm. And yep. th- if you met one girl from Long Island, you've met them all. <laughs> okay. So that's a real thing, right? Oh yeah. And, and it's, and it's, I mean, it's like any, it's like any, uh, 
any region, right? Like, so like New York, like Long Island where I live is like Nassau and Suffolk. And like, you know, somebody's from the North shore, the South shore, Suffolk County, yeah. you know, it's like anything, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very funny. And being from, you know, living in New York my whole life, uh, I lived in Boston to go to college for four years, but it's like just, I mean, it's just like New York. Right. I mean, like you, you, you're just as like aggressive and like street smart in Boston <laughs> than you have to be in New York to like survive and not get, you know, shook down on the street. Yeah. In New York, they're the nicest, so. meanest people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you could cuss somebody hey, you know? out and, and, and then tell mm-hmm. them have a nice day in the same sentence. Yep. A hundred percent. And it's so funny because I had a friend of mine. And uh, if you have any like listeners from the Pacific Northwest, they may take offense to this. But I had a friend of mine who went to school in Portland and he dated a girl from that way. And uh, this was when uh, I, I was riding BMX at the time. So I would go out to Portland all the time and I would visit him, go on trips. And he's like, dude, I can't I can't take the people mm-hmm. out here. And I'm like, why? He's like, because they're just all so passive aggressive. Right. And they're all like they like they're they're like even when they're pissed off, they never nobody ever says like nobody ever like gets out of their car in like a road rage, like freak right. out. They're just like, come on, man. Why would you go and do yeah. that? And he's, and, and, you know, he's like, we grew up riding bikes in New York city and like doing all the New Yorker kind of things that you would do. And for us, it's like, no, like you're going to, we're both going to get out of the car and we're both going to scream at each other. And then we're probably going to get back in the car and just be like that, ah, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, but it was just so funny. And then I went out there and spent a bunch of time out there and I'm like, dude, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you, I don't know how you live out here. And I was, you know, young, younger and much stupider than, uh, now I, I, I couldn't care less how somebody, uh, how somebody acts in that way. But at the time I was like, wow, people really are different on the other yeah. side. Of the you, country. You, you can't take a New Yorker and plant them in Texas because if you say something no. like that in Texas, you're, yeah. there will be shots fired. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Well, they just, the New Yorker just has to learn that they can also carry a gun. Right. That's right. So <laughs> I used to spend a lot of time in Austin. Oh yeah. And, um, I used to spend a lot of time on sixth street. And at the time, um, I was, you know, a partying, you know, rough and rowdy BMX rider going there on trips. And, um, we definitely had our fair share of, of close calls. The thing that always surprised me about Texas and Austin in particular is, you know, we would get in little dust ups mm-hmm. on sixth street and the cops just wouldn't do anything because they're like, you know what? Sort it out. Right. You know, like, uh, just deal with it. You know, like two drunk idiots that want to be drunk idiots in the street. Like if one of them starts to kill the other survival, one, yeah, we're going to, we're going to stop it. <laughs> exactly. But like in New York, if you even so much as like get loud with somebody outside of a bar, they're dragging you away. Oh, really? Um, oh yeah. I mean, in the, yeah, the incidents that I've been involved <laughs> with, you know, like you don't get very far before they're like, all right, enough of this. But in Texas, I remember, I'll never forget this. Uh, and you live in Houston, yeah, in right? Houston. So have you ever spent time in Austin? Yeah, a little bit, but not, so, I mean, I've been married since uh, a year okay. after I <laughs> moved out here. So I haven't really experienced the the college town, Austin. Yeah. yeah. So in Austin, Texas, uh, for those that don't know, there's something called Sixth Street in Austin, Texas. And on th- I think it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, they close Sixth Street uh, so that cars can't drive down it. And every bar that you'd ever want to go to is on Sixth Street. And it's probably like two or three blocks of closed down like street fair kind of style. Is it like Bourbon um, Street in, in New, New Orleans? Y- yes, it's like okay. Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Um, and it's just when the and the bars close at uh, the bars close. I want to say at two, mm. right? Do the bars close at two in in Texas? I don't know. They closed relatively early, yeah. so after the bars close, it's just a mess. <laughs> 
of drunk people in the street outside the yeah. bars. So every now and then the bar would close and you'd wind up going out the back door. And this one time I'll never forget, we go out the back door of the bar and uh, I don't drink now, but at the time, you know, me and my friends, we were all, I, I, I was a professional BMX rider. All we did was ride bikes and drink beer and have fun. That was like our MO. So we all pour out the back of the bar and somebody says something to somebody else. And some people are arguing and I'll never forget this, like five or six Austin city cops all just sitting on this retaining wall, just with their arms folded, just watching it go down, <laughs> just like going like, you know what, you idiots, yeah. like, why are any of them going to potentially get right. hurt fighting with a bunch of college kids? Like, just figure it out. And, and that's exactly what happened. You know, like somebody got pushed and somebody else got pushed and then, you know, everybody walked away. Everything was fine. It wasn't like a big yeah. thing. Ne next time, like, next time I'll get you. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like next time it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll yeah. never see you again. But I remember being like, I I'll never forget the image of like stumbling out of this bar and then being like, are these guys going to do anything? Yeah. And it was like, no, they're not, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. going to do anything. Because uh, more than 50% of the population there is, was carrying. So <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Well, hopefully none of the college kids oh, were. Yeah. Um, cause they were definitely all too stupid, uh, <laughs> to deal with that. But, um, you know, it was just like, it was just a funny thing. And, uh, you know, I spent, I, I feel very fortunate to have had that experience where I got to travel uh, a lot as a BMX rider, you know, like I used to go to Texas all the time. Um, I'd gone on a road trip from San Diego all the way to Seattle, uh, in a, on a BMX trip, Very I would cool. go, uh, all over new England and just everywhere. And it was always like something that, you know, when you're traveling for that kind of thing, there's like no responsibility except just like riding bikes and, and seeing as much of the city as you can so that you can like do the most tricks and like film the most stuff. And I, I feel like it exposed me to a lot of different areas and it made me friends. I made friends with people that now are planted all over the country. And it's funny because as we've all sort of grown up, a lot of them have gone into like sort of making things, but I don't think any of them really on the, and I don't mean to say this in the wrong way, but really on like the level that I mm -hmm. do it. So it's funny now to see some of the people that I either were friends with or even people that I admired then now following me because they find me on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. And every now and then they make the connection because I was always Chris Zepp, even when I rode BMX. So now every now and then somebody will make the connection and go like, holy <laughs> like it's Chris Zepp again. Like, look at what you're doing now. And it, it's, it's really interesting the way it's kind of come around. And then the, the Anthony Panza thing um, has been just such a welcomed kind of change of pace for me to like get back into that world uh, more as a spectator now, but, uh, it, it's, it's been really great. I really love yeah. that. So uh, on the podcast, I don't know if you've heard any of the episodes, but I, I typically do a game, uh, in the, in the podcast and, uh, it, the game changes every time it's, you know, you never know which game you're going to get. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sometimes we do a game called yes or no, where I ask you yes or no questions. And we save that one for like group style, uh, conversations. Uh -huh. Um, <laughs> but one that I started with, uh, with Izzy when he was on, uh, was it's called rapid fire. So okay. it's a, it's a way for, and you've, you've actually talked a lot more than other guests about, you know, some of your personal stuff and, um, but it's a way for people to get to know a little bit more about you in a quick, uh, time frame. So okay. I'll say something and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> All right. Get the button yeah. ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, 
no these are they're fairly easy uh so it's it's not overly complicated it's just a way to to cover a lot of ground in a very short period of time i'm so, ready this is a game called rapid fire um because we're talking about bmxing question number one how many broken bones have you had <laughs> oh my god i don't know probably five but i've had 12 concussions oh wow uh, mm -hmm. mostly bmxing or uh mostly bmxing a couple of them were just from being in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> back to sixth street <laughs> uh, yeah every now yeah. and then <laughs> uh so d did you do a lot of crazy stunts when you were doing bmxing um most of the concussions happened before i was good enough to do anything okay. crazy yes. But uh, I've been knocked out cold many, many times. Uh, and then even before that, I was like a skateboarder. Okay. So, you know, I, I had my bell rang a, a few times pretty yeah. good. So your, your parents couldn't slow you down growing up. No, <laughs> but I did start wearing a helmet uh, uh, in my last couple of years as a bike oh, rider. That's so. good. That's good. Safe, safety yeah. first. And your hashtag, uh, don't die. <laughs> don't die. That's right. That's the only thing that's important. <laughs> is, that, is that the motto, by the way? Yeah, yeah, and that came about when I was like forging for the first time. I was like, "Holy shit!" There's like a raging fire in my shop with this propane forge. Like, I'm like, "God, ah, don't die!" Yeah. Did, did the landlord know uh, who you were before they signed you up for your? <laughs> I still don't think he has any idea what I do down uh, here. Yeah, it's probably best that way. <laughs> it's all right. He's it's obviously fine. not following on YouTube. <laughs> Let's hope not. All right, next one. Favorite type of music. Oh man, I like like uh, uh, like kind of '90s alternative music and like rock and roll music. Like I like a lot of Led Zeppelin and and that kind of stuff. Okay, all right, I can I can get down with Led Zeppelin. It doesn't play well with reels, but <laughs> oh, I had Ramble On has done good for me on a couple oh, really? of reels. Okay, yep, but you know you're not making any money on right. that one. <laughs> um, all right, hobby outside of uh, making, outside of what we see on YouTube. Uh, I like hiking, hiking with my okay. wife. Yeah. Is there uh, a lot of places to go out where you are? Or is it? Yeah, there's, I mean, Long Island is flat yeah. and there's the beach, but like, uh, upstate, like my wife and I go upstate all the time, but honestly, I always, uh, I always joke about how, like, I don't, all my hobbies, I, I find a way to integrate them into my business. Yeah. You know, like everything that I enjoy doing is, is generally here unless it's like kayaking or hiking everything else. It's like buy a dirt bike. <laughs> Find a way to make that right. into a video, baby. Yeah. The, the, there's that audio that says, everything is content. Everything. Yep. <laughs> is that yep. constant That's going right. through your brain? Like when you're on vacation, are you still in that mode of like, I could, I could uh -huh. use this? Well, it's got to be a business trip, man. There's no well, such thing exactly. as vacation. That's true. <laughs> let's, let's talk in the after show about, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, pet peeve. I always enjoy this one. When people ask for advice and then directly don't take uh -oh. it like i see them instantly doing the opposite of the advice that they sought out right. it's the thing that bothers me the They're, most and i encounter it a lot uh, coming to you like hey should i do this thumbnail or that thumbnail and you're like or just should i do this or that and it's like here's metrics on why you should do right. this and then they're like got it yeah and then it, uh, i don't I don't know don't. why it didn't work. And then, and then complain. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not the not doing it. It's the, it's the next conversation right. of like, oh man. So like, I really wish I could do this, yeah. you know? Do, um, 
that that bothers me the most. Do you get a lot of people uh, who um, just message you out of the blue? You don't you have you don't follow them. You have, you have no idea who they are, and they're asking for advice, or is it more mm-hmm. more from friends type of thing? No, people ask. I mean, people ask all the time, um, and uh, I don't. Um, so I get, you know, whatever. Not to sound like 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 I'm anything special, but I get a lot of DMs like every day, and I I don't. You know, uh, I have like the primary, the general, and then the request and I go into the request and I filter through them. And like the one that just says, hi, I'm like, I just yeah. ignore it. But you know, every now and then it's like, I get really thoughtful DMS mm. of like, Hey, Chris, I'm a big fan of your content here. I have, th- I- I'm wondering this. And then like, uh, I'll go and start a whole dialogue with that person. But I, the thing is like, I am spread very, very thin and, um, anybody that knows me knows that. And I very, I try to be very honest about it. And I'll tell them like, listen, like if I don't answer you or whatever, or like, don't think I'm trying to like not help you or whatever, but you got to like email me or cause Instagram DMS are the worst. They're so hard to keep track right. of. So like, I'll be in the middle of like talking someone through something and then I, it'll just vanish. And then I, I don't remember their username, whatever. So I always try to help people in a very concise way that I can like come in and go. And then if I never, and this sounds like, really rude but if i never open their message again i don't feel like i left them right. hanging you yeah know? I, I saw but, your uh, interview we're, we're derailing off of the rapid fire here but i saw your oh, sorry. no no I, it, i'm derailing it um so you're on the the episode uh the call me maybe uh interview that you did and you're like don't <laughs> yeah. don't just don't call me you said yeah just don't, don't call, call me. I, I so i and, and i and i should have uh, had justin put it in there so like like I am always happy to answer an email or a DM, but my, so this is something that like has been so annoying for me. When I opened my business, I did like the regular, like Squarespace, like setup where like you put in your, your name, your address, your hours, your phone number. Now, if you Google and like, you know, for anybody that's listening, you know, you could do this. Uh, If you Google make everything shop on Google, and the business comes up, my phone number is listed as the business oh, yeah. number, my cell phone number. So people will watch my YouTube videos and they'll just call me out of oh, the blue. Oh, wow. That's and, pretty bold. And yeah, and it's like, so like I am a, I am a working professional mm-hmm. who is constantly on the phone. I have a regular job. And like to, to, my phone doesn't ring every day from random people, but it rings enough. And then it's like, how do I like get off the phone? Where I'm, when I don't want to be a dick and be like, hey, I really don't have time to talk to you about like how my plans are off. You know, like somebody like is calling oh, yeah. me, leaving me voicemails like, hey, so I like went to build like the wedding arch and I noticed that, you know, this is wrong. And like you need to correct that <laughs> right now. Or it's like, oh, I ordered a, or I ordered a sticker and it never came. Hmm. And, you know, I'm going to file a dispute on PayPal. And I'm like, well, dude, like, go ahead. File a dispute on right. PayPal. But like. Like I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry that your sticker didn't come. So, so that was like the me saying that was more I don't even like what my sticker hey, like, now. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's like that me saying that in that interview was like just like reach out to me any other way, but just please don't just like cold call my cell phone, you know. And it's funny because I give people on Instagram my number if it'll help me help them faster, right? Because if it's like, hey, I have this nuanced complicated question, I'm like, dude, here's my cell phone number. Just call me. I'll talk to you for like, for five minutes. And then you'll have you'll have the answer, and I don't have right. to type it. And wait for know? a response and, I'm happy and all to do that, that kind of stuff. 
yeah, I'm ha- I'm happy to like kind of like rip the bandaid yeah. off, and then they're like, oh my god, thank you so much. I'm like, great, all right, gotta go. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so, so this is the part of uh, the podcast where I give you unsolicited advice. <laughs> take it. I'll take uh, it. I when I set up the business, I set up a Google uh, phone number. I know. I gotta yeah. do that. It's I've done that thing. before, and I just haven't done so it. The best yet. thing is, I, I they have to say their name. And I can press one if mm-hmm. I want to accept it or two to send a voicemail. And I can listen to yeah. the call while it's happening. So if it's if it's worthwhile, oh. I can and now anybody who's listening to this that it they have called me and I sent them to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm screwed. We'll just bleep this right. whole part out. Um but yeah, you can press two and you can listen to it. And while they're talking, mm. if they're like, Hey, I you know, got a quick question about this or that. Yeah, it's like old school answer. Exactly. Machine. You're like, Oh, hey, hey, yep. sorry. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I've never been able to play that one off well, you know, because they know they mm-hmm. were sent to voicemail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So usually I'll, I'll uh, let them leave the voicemail and call them right back. But I know I got to do that. And it's like, it's so funny because I've I've reached out to Google Help and said like, hey, this is a security risk. Like my personal cell phone number is on my account. And they're like, okay, we've removed it from the account. I'm like, great. And if I go onto my Google, uh, you know, you ever go on Google and type in a business and then it says, is this your right. business? And you can like, so I've done that. And obviously like I can verify that this is my business. I have every form of thing. If I go through that mm-hmm. form, my phone number is not listed. Mm. It's blank. But then if you look it up, my phone number's there. So like getting my address off of there was right. easy, which I obviously like That's that important. was super yeah. important to me just because the, just like, I don't need people like, you know, people are, people are gen- generally good, but some right. are bad. Right. And people know that I like, you know, I have a forklift outside or whatever. Like they know. I have a uh, machinery in here and I always say like, if they can get it out, they can have yeah. it. You know, if they can get the bridge port out, yeah. baby, you get the bridge port out before I get down <laughs> yeah. here, you can have right. it. Right. <laughs> um, well, I noticed in all but, your videos, it uh, says, but, you, know, you know, protected by simply safe or whatever. So <laughs> I, know you're, I know you're taking care of yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I keep, well, so, I mean, as, as, as anybody that follow me, follows me knows, like my shop floods a lot when we get heavy rain. So I am like a, I am like a security camera, like, like addict yeah. where like my wife knows like we'll be on the couch watching TV and I got like the ring camera up on my phone and I know like where the water, I know like how much rain is too much mm. rain. And I'll be like, Oh, and then she'll see me. She'll be like, Oh, how bad is it? And I'm like, we're okay for now. We can watch like five more minutes. And then, yeah. And then next thing you know, I'm out the door. So uh, we'll, we'll come back to the rapid fire questions here in a second. But uh, in mm-hmm. the chat, uh, Victor with Wim design is he's one of our Patreon members. Um, he said, how did you make out with your shop and flooding? So I thought, you know, now's a perfect time to, to talk about it. <laughs> you, you've, yeah. you've flooded so, several times. Yeah. So last year was the was the bad one. The last year was Hurricane Ida um, that uh, did, I think it did a lot of damage down south as well. But it really, really, really wrecked the tri-state area. And it was something that, um, you know, I, I like am very, I'm very vigilant, right? Like I watch like. Uh, it's funny. My wife makes fun of me because I, I follow like three or four independent meteorologists, <laughs> like nerds on yeah. Twitter. Like these guys aren't professional meteorologists, but they study like the European model. The, the, they probably blah, blah. have the right answer. So, <laughs> well, and they're looking like way yeah. in advance, like way before like weather.com is like even talking about it. Cause like they want, they want news that's happening right now. Right. Like it, so, so anyway, I was very prepared, but the rest of the tri-state area was like very underprepared, like several people died and whatever. And I had two feet of water outside my shop mm. and uh, a couple inches of water inside, but I was fine. And then this year 
Um, so, uh, for those that don't know, I, at my regular job, I work internationally and, uh, I travel to the Dominican Republic uh, very mm. often. Um, and this whole hurricane season, I was worried that I was going to be in the DR and we were going to have a bad storm and I wasn't going to be here to like kind of make sure things were right. okay. And my wife and I went on a two week vacation this year, uh, to celebrate our wedding anniversary. And the day before we left around 5 a.m., I get a call from the alarm company because I have flood mm -hmm. sensors and I wake I'm like, hello. And they're like, yeah, sir. You're like, uh, you know, flood, you know, it says middle room is the name of the sensor is currently reading uh, water. Like just wanted to make you aware. And I'm like, okay, thanks. And I'm like, it's raining. <laughs> like no idea, no idea that a storm was coming. Like nothing was set up. Cause I sandbag right. the doors when I think there's going to be a bad rainstorm. Not, not a clue. Mm. So I get up, it's like 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, and I look at my camera and I'm like, oh my God. I get down here, there's already like seven or eight inches of water across the entire driveway. Wow. And it's just pouring in under the doors. So I now, I'm, I'm, and I, have, I keep a pair of waders at the house. Mm -hmm. So I, I had my waders on because I put them on before I left. And I'm throwing sandbags at like the bottom of the door. And then I have, I have two, I have, I have, two full-time pumps outside pumped to this pipe to the street and then two redundant pumps. Mm -hmm. The two redundant pumps weren't ready uh, because I didn't expect any rain. Right. So I then had to take the hoses, unroll these like, two inch lay flat hoses in, you know, a foot of water mm. and then hook them up to the pumps. And then, you know, uh, I had raked the leaves in advance. So the, the, the pump was sucking up all the leaves oh, man. and then trying to clear out the trying to clear out the filter. It's just stamped, stamped metal. I sliced my finger open on like that, you know, jagged, you know, like stamped metal has that burn. Right. So while I'm like fighting this water, I, I cut my finger like bad. Wow. And I'm like, now I got like, I'm bleeding everywhere. It's just dirty water. Right. I mean, this is like, you know, whatever is coming up from, the ground, yeah, the, yeah. you know, the, the roof, you know, whatever. So I'm like panicked and, uh, whatever the rain stopped. And that was the only knock on wood. Well, I mean, now it's, we're out of 22. Yeah. So that was the only flood of 22. Uh, and, and I felt so lucky when it was over because a day later and I wouldn't have been there to deal wow. with it. And my, my friend Macklin, uh, he's like just such a, a like a great friend and an amazing, person in general like another just incredibly generous and like always down to help me like when i'm away he kind of stands guard mm -hmm. and as much as he knows what to do he's never been here through one of like the really really bad ones and i know he would be fine and i know he would like make sure the shop was okay and he would like clean all the water out and he would do all that for mm -hmm. me no matter what it just it still would drive me i would be jumping out of my mm -hmm. skin if I was across the world yeah. and my shop was currently like filling up, you would with be water. able to focus on that for sure. No. And you know, like luckily, you know, knock on wood, the rain can only, it can only rain that hard for so right. long. So like, you know, it's, it's a couple hours, it's a half a day. And even if the shop, you know, you know, uh, with the sandbags and systems I have in place, like two feet of water outside was mm -hmm. a lot. And I, and I still didn't, really lose anything inside oh, that's great. you know like you know you lose pieces of wood and you know you have a cordless tool on the floor and it gets flooded out yeah. but 
for the most part, uh, I, I feel like I've been very fortunate in that nothing's been on, nothing's gone too, yeah. too bad. Because when you, when you come to your shop, you kind of come down a little bit of a slope. So your shop is kind of down at oh, this, yeah. the bottom of this area. So mm-hmm. your shop would flood, but the neighbors are perfectly fine. Yeah. And the, the, the other thing is that, you know, this is a, the, the actual building footprint's probably like 3,500 square feet with like the stairwells mm-hmm. and whatnot. And because of the, you know, the way you have to deal with your own water on your own property, the backside of the building is the property line. So the roof is pitched towards mm. my driveway. So every bit of water coming off the roof is coming down. It, it hits the gutters. But I mean, when it rains like that, gutter, the gutters right. is like pointless. You know, they're just there yeah. for show. <laughs> you know, they just the water just runs over top. And uh, so I, I mean, I think I have a solution to it. Um, and I've been, you know. I've been mulling, you know, like it's like, do I ask my landlord? Do I just do it myself? Do I invest the money? You know, do I, you know, try to lip through another couple of seasons? You know, now I've invested thousands into pumps and, and all these different mm-hmm. things and, and they're great, but they only work right. if you're here, you know, like if I'm not here to, now I have a gas pump outside. If I'm not here to start the gas pump or prime it, right. that's another thing, right? Like somebody has got to, you can't just tell somebody, Hey, go pull yeah. the cord. You know, somebody has got to prime the pump with mm-hmm. the hose make sure it's it's running because they're a little temperamental, right? Like make sure it's not clogged, all these different things. You know, if I'm not here, uh, it could be lead to a bad, you need bad a, thing. So I, I have you some You need a YouTube video on how to mind. prime the pump and then you could just send your neighbor the video on, on how to prime the <laughs> Oh yeah, but listen, man, I've considered buying like a real serious, like self-priming and uh, uh, battery, you know, like a battery, but gas, uh, uh, a gas pump with a battery that has like a mm. float switch that will turn itself on and self prime where you have a hose running mm. into it. Like that's right. pressurized and it knows before it turns on to open the valve, fill the mm-hmm. bowl, you know, and like be ready to go. Problem is if there's, you know, when you get rain like that and all the leaves fall down with the, in yeah. the rain, once that, once that inlet gets clogged, if that thing runs dry for a minute, oh, yeah. burn the impeller up. Right. And that's it. You know, where, uh, so, so, uh, and then you've got more, other problems on your hands. <laughs> yeah. So um, the solution I want to do is like, I, I want to put in a, the biggest dry well that, that they'll let yeah. me put in, in the driveway. And it'll probably cost me about 10 grand. Sounds like um, a good sponsorship and, you know, opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, the, the, the company that I want to do it, I would love to like barter with them for like some mobile welding right. or something, you know, like, uh, like try to find a way to like do it at cost or something like that. But, and the question is like, and, and all, all my followers, they're like, Oh, talk to your landlord. It's like, it's like if you if you've ever had a landlord, especially a commercial landlord, you learn very quickly that you you have to pick your yeah. battles. Uh, unless you have like a five year lease or a ten year lease, yeah. you have to pick your battles and you have to be very selective about what you decide is a landlord problem and what you decide is a tenant yeah. problem. And in the in the six years that I'm here, I've never one time asked my landlord to make me whole on a flood or a. Uh, broken window or mm-hmm. anything. I've never asked him for anything. The only thing I ever asked him for was when I first moved in, the driveway was basically all mud. And I said, listen, if you don't regravel this driveway, I'm just not going to be able to like operate mm-hmm. down here. So he spent a couple grand and had all the mud, you know, I, I set it up, had all the mud dredged out, loaded in a truck, and then like, you know, a, a fresh, whatever, however many yards of gravel. But other than that, I've never asked him for a dime. And if I ask him for that 10 grand, how is he going to make that 10 grand back? He's going to raise my rent by, if he raises it $500 a month, he's making half that the first year. 
So what would I rather do? Would I rather just, uh, I could expense that 10 grand. You know, I could write that $10,000 off as a business expense. I could make a video about it. You know, I could find a way to, to justify it in my business model. But do I want to be paying an extra $500 a month for the next three years, four years, right. five years? Because now it's now that's twenty five. Yeah, he just he just send it. Uh, you, know? you know, I mean, somebody else will come. That that one guy will come back and say, "Hey, I heard you're moving out." <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. really though. I mean, it's like if he raised my rent, right, five hundred bucks a month, it'll be six thousand dollars the first year. So for an extra four grand, maybe I keep my rent the way it is, and then I have the leverage to say, "Hey, landlord, I invested ten thousand dollars into this space." I need you to give me another two years at my same rent. Right. I, I, you can't raise my rent. You know, like I, I already, you know, put it in plot, there. So. Plot twist. It was actually the realtor. I mean, it was actually the landlord who sent that guy to tell you that, hey, he wanted to move in. <laughs> right? Right? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. My my landlord, though, like all all, all, all joking aside, my landlord is, is one of the most genuine people that I've ever met. And, um, you know, there was an issue with another tenant, um, like not paying his rent. And this is how I knew my landlord was a good guy is he said to me, I, I said, you know, yeah. I, I, he said, have you seen this person? And I said, no, I, I you know, I, I see him, you know, like, and he goes, do you think he's working because he hasn't paid rent in like five months? And I said, honestly, I'm not gonna, I, I don't know. I said, but I see mm -hmm. him, you know, like, it's not like he's vanished. Right. He comes here every now and then he goes, well, I can't get in touch with him. Can you tell him to call me? I said, sure. That's, that's what I'll do. And then he said, you know, the thing that bothers me the most is that he doesn't tell me that he's not going to pay. He doesn't tell me why he can't pay. He just doesn't pay. Mm. And he said, he said that in his business, the guy is very successful entrepreneur. He said, I have been one day away from losing everything. Mm. And I know what it feels like to not have enough to mm -hmm. pay your rent. I know what it feels like to not have enough to cover your expenses. And I, so I would never put somebody out on their ass for not being able to afford it because their business is, is, is in mm -hmm. trouble. But when you just refuse to communicate, that's where you've lost all my trust. Wow. And I, and when he told me that, I always, from that moment, I thought like, this guy is not going to screw mm -hmm. me. And I can feel like confident that, you know, I, he's a good person, you know, and he's not going to call me one day and go, Hey, I see you really settled in there. Guess what? I'm tripling your rent. You know, like, um, I, I genuinely don't think he would do that. So, uh, that's why I don't bother him for stuff too. Cause it's like, you know what? You've been good to me. I'll be good to you and I'll, I'll cover the, the, the expenses as they yeah. come up. Um, in the chat, Justin, uh, another Patreon member, wants to know if you'll answer his phone call right now. <laughs> going back to, no, going back to the, the, your previous thing. Hey, call me right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, so, so sometimes when I, record, when I record podcasts and stuff, I put a sign on oh, the yeah. window. Because so people will just, they'll come and just bang on the window until they get right. my attention. Yeah. And I like, have I have an on air thing that my wife got me for my birthday, and I normally put it behind me. Um, it's just uh -huh. mainly for show, but I got this new backdrop thing, and I haven't figured out how to mount it yet. So, yeah. Well, you look like you're in like the like a black yeah, this, void. Like it's yeah, incredible. It's because behind me, it's it's my my working space. My it's I'm in the home office, uh -huh. and I, I just have yeah you know stuff just out. So I've got this little pop up like thing that I I just raise it up and ready to go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I need something like that. I spend uh, most of my work day on yeah. Zoom calls, and uh, my wife. I have an office at home. I work. I work completely from home, or I'm on site. And my wife will just like poke her head in because yeah. like every now and then. So my my boss is notorious for like if he sees like your wife in the background, he'll be like, "Oh, is that so and so? Tell oh her to come gosh. over." And my wife will be like in her yeah. pajamas. 
and 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 my boss will be like, "Is that yeah. Angela? Do I see Angela <laughs> back there? Tell her to come over. Ask her what she thought of you know uh, this, or ask her when you're coming, you know, going gonna go to Florida again, or yeah. you know whatever." And and she's always like, "Yeah, oh, no, no." My wife would be mortified. <laughs> so when she comes in, I. When she comes in, I turn my computer like away uh, from the door uh, a little bit, you know, and I, or I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> get out. <laughs> That's funny. Like, oops, my camera just dropped yeah. off. I don't, I don't, I don't know what yeah, happened. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know what? It's so funny. My, and my boss, uh, my boss hates when people are on the phone on those, like, so we do a daily team oh, yeah. call. So, so like if I mute my mic, but I'm on the phone. He like he hates that, and I get it. It's distracting because it's like, who is this person talking to? Are they trying to talk to us? So if you have to pick up the phone, you turn off oh, your right. camera. So every now and then, if I know my wife needs me, I'll just shut my camera off yeah. real quick, and then I'll talk to her, and then I'll come back on. Yeah. And uh, you know, if he says like, "Where'd you go?" I'll be like, "I just yeah, you know, yeah. I had a thing. Yeah, I had a thing. Yeah, I had a thing. You know." But, and he's uh, like, "Yeah, but you forgot to turn your mic off." <laughs> yeah right right i'm like get out of here come on he's still going yeah he won't shut up this guy no i'm very careful about my hot mics don't worry i've, I've gotten very good that's funny all right so we got a couple more of the uh the rapid fire questions then we'll head in yeah. to the after show because i do want to continue talking with yeah. you um all right back to the the questions we've probably got two three more favorite type of food pizza oh okay i had i had um there was a pizza place in New York called Millie's. Uh, yeah, Millie's. it's probably like in the city. Honestly, I don't know where I was. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere yeah. in the state. No, it Did no, it say world's no, best pizza it, on no, it or something it was, like that? I was best in Jersey. Coffee? I take that back. I was in Jersey. Okay. Uh, don't disrespect my New York pizza <laughs> like that, Matt. <sighs> uh, all right. Favorite tool in your shop? Oh, man. My favorite tool in my shop. There's a lot to choose um, from. Don't forget, this is there's so this is many, a timed podcast. So many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I got. I gotta say, it's a tie. Okay. I gotta, I'm gonna I'll say it's it. a tie. And the my my uh, my welder is definitely my favorite tool because it's the welder is something that has opened up like my entire professional career into a place like I never could yeah. have imagined. Um, so the welder is like the thing that when I think about like my success, I think about metalworking and welding, but my favorite tool for the way that it's changed the way that I work and made me have more fun is that induction mm. forge, the induction heater that I've been using because um, I love blacksmithing. Right. It's to me, it's like, and I've said this before, it's like every other arena of making feels uh, like something that you can learn by reading about and then just oh, do right. it. Right. Like I want to make cabinets, right? Like you could, you're going to go, you got to cut the cabinet. Uh, you gotta, and, and when you set the fence to 20 inches and you cut the wood, right. it's going to cut, it's going to be 20 inches. It's not going to be 20 and a quarter. The wood's not going to shrink. That's ne <laughs> never going to happen. Same thing with right. welding, same thing with machining. If you take your time, whatever you want to make, if you had all the time in the world, yeah. you could do it. Blacksmithing is like, it's like trying to turn clay on a wheel, but the, the clay is a thousand degrees and you can't touch it with your hands. And if you wait too long, you'll crack it. It's blacksmithing to me is like, it, it, it's such a different experience. And if you've, have you ever tried no, blacksmithing? I, I, I had uh, 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 somebody on, uh, her name is Lindsay, Lindsay creative. And yeah, um, yep. yeah I know Lindsay. She, she was, she was fun to talk to because it's, 
something that I have I know nothing about. I know nothing. Like I, I used to do a little bit of welding yeah. and stuff like that, but I, I'm amateur mm-hmm. at best. But I've never blacksmithed, and so just listening to her talk about it, I was like, okay, I need to go try makerspace. And it's it's so different. And for me, it's like <clears throat> for me, it's like I found the last, and maybe it's not the last, but it, you know, I've been doing this kind of stuff a really long time, and I I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but I think I, I have been doing this kind of stuff a lot longer than a lot of the other people in like the maker kind right. of world. But I think that's because I come from a construction background and a woodworking background from a very early age where I, where I think a lot of people are sort of like, oh, I started woodworking three years ago, you know, which is, it's fine. And they're, they, I feel like a lot of the makers in our community are still discovering like the metalworking, the yeah. machining. And to me, I feel like I have tried everything. Blacksmithing to me feels like the the final frontier of like this is this is really difficult and completely mm. unpredictable. Like when you go to forge a shape, you have to think about so many things and just because it's in your head, it doesn't necessarily mean it turns right. out like that. You know, and it's similar to if you've ever thrown pottery mm. on a wheel, Throwing pottery on a wheel looks so right. easy, right? It's, oh, I want to make a vase. I want it to be fat at the bottom. I want it to be skinny at the waist. Then I want it to be mm-hmm. fat at the top, right? And then you go to do it and you're like, oh, oh my God, <laughs> holy <laughs> And it yeah. collapses onto itself. Um, and But with throwing pottery, the element of, of risk and danger doesn't exist, right? If you mess it up, and I, and I actually throw pottery oh, very wow. often. My wife and I go, and I really, I love doing it. Um, I have my own pottery wheel, my own kiln mm-hmm. here. Um, and, uh, I never really share it on my, my Instagram just because I haven't done a mm-hmm. project with it yet, yeah. but I love it. Blacksmithing is like, like, uh, I recently made a knife out of a railroad. I saw plate. that forging the handle, the shape in my head and the shape that I was able to produce are completely yeah. different. Not because I thought, oh, this, the shape that I'm making is way better just because I couldn't literally couldn't figure out how to hit the metal on top with a flat hammer while it's hitting a curved shape on the bottom, but then do that. Like, how do you shape both sides of the same piece of material? Right? Like if you want like a curve, right? Unless the tool hitting on the top and the tool on the bottom are exactly the same. Right. Right. The, The radius on the, on the hitting tool, if it's different than the radius on the bottom, it's not going to be the same. And when you're done, and you want symmetry, which in blacksmithing is very important, right? It's part of the fundamentals of blacksmithing is to be evenly forged, right? It is shockingly challenging. And you can watch, I tell this to people all the time, you can watch as many blacksmithing videos as mm. you want. I encourage it. Alex Steele is an incredible okay. educator, probably one of the best uh, uh, blacksmithing content creators out there. There are so many others. But Alex, Alex videos are very, uh, um, very well synthesized. I don't care how many you watch when you go to do it, you're like, oh my God, this is so different than like, you know, and I don't mean it to like talk down other crafts, but you know, a guy making a beautiful shaker style cabinet, if you do exactly Mm -hmm. what he did, you will make the exact same cabinet, you know? 
And it will still be difficult and you'll have to have attention to detail and all these different things. But there is no variable of like, oh, maybe the table saw fence is going to just move mm-hmm. out of the way while I'm like pushing yeah. the wood. You know, like that's never well, going to happen. table saw wood. <laughs> well, maybe. And listen, I, I always joke. People always tell me how I have such great tools. And I tell people growing up, the table saw that I had had a motor that had such bad brushes that to turn it on, you would flip on the power switch. You'd, I'm sorry, you'd mm-hmm. set the fence. You'd flip on the power switch. You'd flip up the table saw and you'd hit oh the motor gosh. with a hammer. <laughs> and then the blade would start spinning and you'd make all yeah. your cuts. And then you'd turn it off and then right. you'd do it again. So uh, people ask me, you know, did, did I, is this like a family owned shop? Am my, my dad a cabinet yeah. maker? I bought all of these tools with my own yeah. money or I sold my body right. on the internet. Yeah to uh, too, brands huh? to get them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so no, there was no, uh, there was no Zepieri cabinet shop uh, that, that right. helped me, helped me get here. So the talk about blacksmithing. <laughs> I mean, I don't believe you. I, I think all you do is stick it in the fire and you take it out and you hit it with a hammer a few times and it turns out perfect. <laughs> that is exactly true. But going back, I mean, and I totally digress from the point of your question, but the, the point being of the induction forge is because I think the reason that blacksmithing is is a little bit out of reach for so many people is because like oh my god I have to get a propane forge and it's going to it's like sounds like mm-hmm. a jet engine you know and then it's like do I worry about fumes can I do this in my garage is it safe you know like all these things the induction forge and if, you, if you've ever watched my videos you turn it on you put the metal in it and in 40 seconds right. it's it's forging yeah. heat and so for me at you know after this podcast is over uh you know it'll be almost 9 o'clock Eastern, I could, instead of waiting 35 minutes for my forge mm-hmm. to heat up and then not leaving the shop until it cools down because I want to make sure that it's right. you know safe, I could just flip on the forge and I could be hammering, you know, in, so in five cool. minutes. Um, and then when I'm done, I just put the piece of steel down. I let the steel cool or I put it in a quench bucket mm-hmm. and I leave. And I don't have to worry about anything like, you know, because uh, every now and then, like while your forge is cooling, like a you know, a piece of forge scale might pop out of it, you know, as it's cooling down, oh, like okay. a fire pit, you know, like fire pits crackle and, you know, a little, little ember mm-hmm. pops out. I don't have right. to worry about any of that. So, uh, uh, they're expensive, but, uh, you know, you're going to spend like a thousand or 1500 bucks to get one. But, um, I think that people underestimate how much they, if they want a blacksmith, how much more they would do it if they had something, you know, that was, uh, that was so easy yeah. to use, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it looks like a, Something that would be very dangerous for me to try because I would probably enjoy it way too much. <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun, man. It is just, it's, I was supposed to do like... it at maker camp, but then I, I couldn't make it as you know, we chatted about that. I was supposed yep. to go and you'll come next year. Yeah. You got to come. And, and for anybody that's listening, that hasn't gone to a maker camp workbench con is a fantastic, a fantastic mm-hmm. event um, for building your business and networking and, and learning about the, the the desk right. time of being a maker and how to actually like fund your business while making workbench con is where mm-hmm. you have to be i'm 100 percent there but if you want to enrich your making experience you come yeah. to the maker camp because the maker camp is like the dream place to be blacksmithing for five minutes welding for 10 minutes saw milling for so cool. two minutes and then like sewing a leather wallet, uh, you know, all before like breakfast yeah. is even started. And it's like, there's no like 
con, con, uh, convoluted sign-up sheets and organization is like just out the window to an extent. It's just like almost this lawless, you know, uh, group mm-hmm. of friends. And you just show up and you introduce yourself and you you do whatever you want for as long as you want. And and it's it's That's just awesome. the best. It's the best time, the best best weekend of the year. One of the uh, guys in the in the chat is asking, uh, "Are you teaching Duresta pottery?" No, I didn't teach yeah. Jimmy. Um, uh, I don't know who taught him, but he's taking yeah. some classes. There's actually an amazing, amazing pottery studio slash store that opened in my town like mm. two years ago. Um, a guy that kind of like lost his job through around COVID but was uh, throwing pots in his backyard mm. in like a shed and then rented a storefront in town and just created just such a beautiful curated space and then teaches classes. Uh, and then the, the beauty of it, it's funny. I say I have my own wheel and kiln. We never use my mm-hmm. wheel and kiln because he's already like oh, set right. up, you know, like he's got like, you know, like five wheels and you can go for open studio. And um, it's, it's a really, really fun, fun process. I like seeing Jimmy uh, the way Jimmy, Jimmy thinks, uh, differently than a lot of people mm-hmm. that I've ever met. And like, just the way that he's like, Oh, I want to make a mug. And he like, you know, like rolls out the clay. I mean, I've watched mm-hmm. his videos doing it where like he makes a mug on his like workbench with, with ever, without ever touching a wheel. Um, and like puts his logo in it and stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, like I never would have yeah. thought to do that. Like I never would have, uh, I never would have even thought I could make that with just like clay I bought on Amazon and like fire right. my even. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, but he, but he's like, he, he's, uh, the kind of person he's taught me too, like just not to be limited by any bounds that somebody else yeah. may have put on like yeah. a process. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, that, why not? talked about it. Somebody shows up to your shop and is like, I got this idea and you're like, let's do it. That sounds like a terrible yeah. idea. When do yeah. we start? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's so funny because like my, that, that kid Panza, like he's constantly yeah. doing stuff, but like when he gives me an idea for something, I'm like, all right, I'll order the material. And it's funny because he'll be like, okay, tell me how much it is. And he'll PayPal me like the same day. So if I'm like, Hey, I ordered $800 worth of steel for the next thing. We're not even half. We're not even a quarter of the way there. And the steel has been sitting in the shop. You know, like one of the things is like the the roll cage. Um, They broke that roll. Oh, really? Actually, they had, uh, they had two people on the, on the bike and uh or three people on the bike and somebody was like pulling back on it and then somebody like somebody did like a front roll and almost like came off the ground and slammed on it so they didn't they didn't break it but they they tweaked it 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 looks like an egg now so it's uh and it's a little it's a little on the scary side so we actually have all the material to Mm. make it again and i'm gonna make another youtube video just saying like you know here's what went Mm. wrong the first time here's all the things that we learned and it's not going to be as in depth because like, why do you want it? You don't need to see me do the right. same thing twice, but it's going to be like a, a more synthesized, like, Hey, this, look, this is the mm-hmm. roll cage I built clearly not round anymore. So now we're using inch and a half, uh, you know, DOM like race car tubing. And we're going to, you know, use a thicker wall and we're going to, you know, resupport it, you know, in a different yeah. way. So head, head straps um, and, and <laughs> five point harness. Yeah. Better seatbelt, <laughs> better seatbelt. Well, there's a, there's a clip that I don't know how many people that follow me saw, but, I made him a seatbelt mount and I told him, I told him, I said, I said, Hey, I'm not sure how I feel about this. When you go to test it, when we tested it, we used Mm -hmm. a ratchet strap because we didn't have like a a seatbelt yet. So I said, when you go to test it, when I'm not there, just use the ratchet strap. 
He's like, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He didn't. Upside down, the seatbelt oh, no. broke. And he fell out of it, landed on his feet, and was able to like oh, run wow. out from it. And was completely fine. And the clip looks like it's... The clip looks almost like he... Like, right. did it on purpose. Like, it's so seamless the way he, like, yeah. rolled out of it, you know? Um, it's like seeing, like, a motorcycle crash where the guy, like, slides off the bike and stands up. And his bike, like, slides all the way down the freeway. And uh, after that, he's like, dude, I need a better seatbelt. So now I have a uh, – I actually bought a wheelchair seatbelt. Oh, yeah. You know, like, something that's made for, like, you know, it's got to be good. You know, the guy can't fall out of the wheelchair. What uh, you should do so, is, is uh, yeah. uh, get a crash test dummy for the video. Yeah. <laughs> That would be that would be pretty awesome. Well, so so I'll give your listeners a, uh, a a insight into a future video that we've been talking about doing, and I, I actually I have to talk to Tyler Bell, and he's somebody that you should uh, try to have okay. on the podcast. Uh, Tyler is a, an incredibly creative, talented uh, guy from Seattle. Uh, we want to buy a uh, uh, a uh, smart mm. car, and I want to put an air actuated cylinder in the rear and try to roll oh, the wow. smart car. And I want to try to do like the cage yeah. on the Banshee, but on a car wow. that you could drive on the street. And the reason we need the air actuated cylinder is because a smart car motor is in the back. Okay. There's nothing in the front. Right. So like the, the, the centrifugal force of like just slamming on the front brakes, just, it's probably not going to be once enough. Once it's vertical, it's coming over. Yeah. Once it's vertical, yeah. it's going over. So the thought is how do you give it right. that extra push? So the thought is like, if I do a fast acting air actuated cylinder, that just kind of when you squeeze the brakes just gives you that little extra shot, um, you know. And the thing's gonna be fully roll cage, so That's that cool. though that might be the kind of thing that we want to create. Right? Test yeah. Well, it sounds uh, sounds like you might need to uh, you know invest in the crash test dummy now. <laughs> Tyler has one. Oh. Tyler Bell has a crash test, and dummy. then uh, some airbags. Uh, but Tyler is like the master of disaster. Yeah. Well, we're gonna oh. take the airbags out. <laughs> the, uh, but we thought about doing it with a car airbag, but then it would be like a you know like we'd be buying right. freaking airbags. Yeah. You know, uh, because every time that's it. It's like a one and done thing. But um, you know, again, that kind of video probably has zero appeal to my general YouTube audience. But that type of video might be like a Colin Furs level that's, reach, that's something where you need where to it, like bring know, in mr beast to you know into the conversation <laughs> yeah believe me i i uh i think every creator's dream is to like work with yeah. mr beast and um i have a uh long-term end game in mind that i i will likely try to work with mr beast on and uh it's you know mr beast is so much yeah. philanthropic stuff and he does a lot for a lot of sustainable mm -hmm. housing and right now i build homes for the 0.001 percent mm. of the world and it's it's very fulfilling uh mm -hmm. in its own way but the thing that i would like to do most when i'm done doing this is to work with somebody like that who has such a such right. a reach to affect so many people and just take all the problem solving skills that I have now to like, instead of building one 30,000 mm -hmm. square foot house, if I could build, you know, yeah. whatever, uh, some multiple of 500 square right. foot houses, uh, I would do that in a heartbeat. So I, I have this like, like vision in my mind and I try to manifest the things that'll happen in my future of like growing my channel to a point where I just don't need mm -hmm. a job. Uh, and I don't need really anybody to pay me to do anything. 
and having the reach enough to get to him to say, hey, this is what I want to do, and I just need you to let me do it and just fund right. it. You know, and here's my here's my mm-hmm. resume. You know, like I I can do it. I I mean I could I could build I can manage that kind of project. Uh, it's mm-hmm. easy because the clientele just needs a place right. to live. They don't care that the the carpet isn't the the sample that they picked. And you know, what do you mean the faucet's <laughs> discontinued? So I I feel like the the karmic payment for the work that I do now is to give that back. And I think that it would just mesh my life so well to do it with somebody who's like so successful as a creator versus like I could go to any not for profit, Mm -hmm. but to do it with him, I think would be something that would be uh, really like really fulfilling. So that's, that's like the, the, the the real like 10 year plan from now is, uh, is do something like that with, with someone like that. And maybe it's not him. Maybe there's somebody else that comes along and, and is doing a similar thing, but I just think it would be, uh, it would be such an important it's such an important mission that he has and I really would love to, to do awesome. that. Yeah. So we'll see. Right. No rush. Well, I mean that that you answered what is typically one of my last questions uh in the podcast is uh, <laughs> so usually second to last is something and like who inspires you. Um and it sounds like something in those veins but if you got any other answer on that I mean, I, I draw inspiration from so many people here in the maker community and just like so many people everywhere. But I just think that, uh, I think that, um, to, to get this place to where it is, took a lot of, it took a lot of like not looking at the bank account and just looking straight ahead at what's, what has Mm -hmm. to come next. And I think the people that inspire me the most are the people that share that kind of story and can see that like today's pain is only temporary if you just keep going forward. And that's really the stuff that I try to like surround myself with. And like people like Jimmy and Derek and Paul Pinto, like, you know, three of my closest friends who have all in their own ways, like built these incredible careers and these incredible lives uh, for themselves and for their families by like just not letting like this little thing slow them down. Like that's, that's what I want to be around all the time. And there are so many makers that have that story and it's such an amazing community. Like for that, like look at Izzy, like Mm -hmm. Izzy is somebody that I look up to so heavily as a creator and the guys, the guys now Mm -hmm. wheelchair bound. And I bet if you told Izzy 10 years ago that in 10 years, you're going to still be doing the same but you're going to be in a wheelchair. He'd be mm-hmm. like, get out of here. Like, how am I going to do that? And maybe, you know what? Knowing him, he probably would have right. said, F- it. I don't care if I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. I'll still do it. But like, I look at Izzy and he's like, yeah, I'm still going to like, you know, do this and buy that and build this business. And I'm like, like this guy doesn't give a shit. They could take mm-hmm. his legs off. He'd still figure yeah. out a way to go. You know, like, uh, it's like, it's so inspiring. There's so many people like that, uh, in our community. So I think everybody that, that can, uh, not quit is a person that really is like, I draw so much inspiration cool. from. So don't quit and don't die. <laughs> don't quit and die. If you die, then that's, I mean, I guess dying isn't quitting. Yeah. So maybe it should just be don't there quit. Cause I always say, I, I, I like to say work today, rest tomorrow. I like it. Chris, it's been a, a blast yeah. talking with you tonight. And, um, 
you mentioned it before, but one more time, just where, where can people find your best content? <laughs> the best content or all the content? Uh, YouTube.com slash make everything. Uh, uh, you can find me there and uh, Instagram. Uh, I'm at make everything shop. And now also on Facebook, which I'm trying to trying to get a little bit more into. It's also at make everything shop. And uh, yeah. And if you want to hear some old episodes of me and my friends yeah. rambling on, uh, you can check out the handmade podcast. Uh, and then I will give a plug to my friend, Justin, maybe real quick. Uh, Justin, maybe at the call me, maybe YouTube channel did a little mini documentary about me and my shop. Great. And if you, uh, you can, you can go there and then one more, the KNS creators collective KNS metals also did a little bio on me on their YouTube. And, um, you know, they're very different videos. One is about my like passion to be here. And one of them is more about my business. So if you're interested in either of those things, um, you know, go check awesome. those guys out. I'll leave all those in the uh, show notes. And I'm Matt with Voltner Woodworking. And you can find me on YouTube or Instagram at Voltner Woodworking, all one word. Um, of course, follow the podcast, Make a Lounge Podcast, um, all one word on YouTube and Instagram as well. I don't do Tic Tac. And I tell people, I, I mean, I do it, but it's just reposts of my Instagram content. So. <laughs> you know follow at yeah. your own leisure i guess uh, uh, over there <laughs> but thanks again for for being here we'll head over to the after show and uh, we'll just spend a few more minutes and uh, get down to some more of the nitty-gritty if you want to hear the after show uh, become a patreon member head over to patreon.com slash maker lounge podcast um, and uh, we have a discord channel that we chat in as well um, talk about ideas for podcasts and guests and upcoming events and things like that. Um, I also want to say thank you to Surf Prep for sponsoring today's episode. Go to surfprepsanding.com for 10% off. Use the code MAKERLOUNGE. So, um, and thank you to them. And we are actually going to be recording a podcast episode while we're at WorkbenchCon uh, with Hannah and Skyler Woo. from uh, Surf Prep. And we're going to invite the uh, awesome. Patreon members, and and so you can be there live while we record that podcast. So, um, and then check us out next week. We'll have uh, Jimmy is going to be on, and we're we're going to just continue the conversation talking about uh, Chris. That. 